Hello, and welcome to this podcast by the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation. I'm Janet Mountain, the Executive Director of the Foundation. Our mission is to transform the lives of children living in urban poverty. Since our founding in Austin, Texas in 1999, we've expanded our work across the United States into India and South Africa. In today's podcast, we will be discussing one of our eight Dell social impact principles. Take the risks your challenge deserves. Our greatest challenges require us to do things differently, to push the boundaries, and to be willing to take risks. iMerit is a company in India that exemplifies this Dell social impact principle. They connect traditionally underemployed young adults with aspirational jobs in the technology sector. So how do they do it? To find out, Santosh Ramadas, program manager from our India office, will be talking with two conscious disruptors from iMerit. These are people who are on the ground doing the work and who are defining the future of philanthropy and social impact. We will learn about the vision of iMerit from its founder, and we will also hear directly from an employee who overcame significant challenges to become one of the first women in her community to seek employment. I think you'll agree that they are both truly remarkable. So let's get started. Thank you, Janet. My name is Santosh Ramdas. I'm a program manager at the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation's India office. At the foundation, we're focused extensively on creating opportunities for low-income youth in India to help them fully realize their economic potential. Zareen and Radha are living examples of one of our core Dell social impact principles. Take the risks your challenge deserves. Zareen and Radha, welcome. Will you briefly introduce yourself to our listeners? My real name is Mushtari Fatma. Everybody is calling me Zareen. And I'm working in iMerit as a senior technical associate. I'm Radha Ramaswamy Basu. I'm founder and CEO of iMerit Technologies. It's a true delight to have you both here with us for this discussion. Um, Zareen, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family? Where did you grow up? Um, and what do your parents do for work? I am from Metyabrush. It was quite conservative area. Not only my family, the area is quite conservative and they don't allow to the girl to go outside and work. So it's a challenging for me to work, to go outside and work. And what was your education like? Where did you go to school? Did you also go to school in Mityabros? Yes, I go to the school. I actually belong to the Urdu medium school. So my English, uh, my English knowledge is quite little just because Urdu is my first language. So my English is the second language. And in Anudip, I got the opportunity to enhance our communication skills. And Anudip is a training center? It's a, like as a NGO which uh, give me the chance to learn about the communication as well as the computer, basic computer. Mm -hmm. And after that, we got the chance to work in the iMerit. So Just before we get there, we would love to hear a little bit more about how did you... Uh, how did you find Anudeep? Uh, were you in school? Did a friend tell you? Were you walking down the street in Meteor Bros? Uh, accidentally, when when I was studying, I was go I was going to the school, and at the bus I saw a girl, and we are starting talking. We are start talking to each other. 
so she told me that she is working in a office in matia bruj and i was just shocked in the matia bruj just because we don't have the any commercial office in the matia bruj as i said that the matia bruj is very conservative the all the girls are working on that like as a sly uh, they are working some kind of the work in their home not they don't allow to go outside so uh, is there any office exist in the matia bruj it was quite shocking for me so i just want i am just curious to know ki where is it what kind of the job you are doing so she told me she give me the number so i just uh, contact with her she give me the number to their ma'am so i just contact him and contact her and uh, i got the opportunity to graduate in the mast so when was when was this how many years ago did you join anudeep as a trainee so 5 years ago and what was your um, family's first response when you told your mom and dad that uh, you're joining anudeep actually at the very first when i told to my father and mother both uh i got the opportunity to learn in the matia bruj just about the basic computers and the communications so my father is okay with that my father told me that okay do whatever you want but my mother is quite bit is become very much fear that say, no what uh, nobody will allow us to go outside uh, you are just uh, you want to study just okay you are just study don't need to but i want to study more i want to get high study and in the bca we have the lot we need to more money to finance for my education so uh, my my father convinced my mother ki okay if you have any questions then i will go and see what kind of the center is there there so my father visited there at first so he is okay with that like no it's a very uh, very, very family uh, they are very familiar and uh, all, all only girls are there so they are okay with that So if you look back on the history of this um, Santosh, as you know, we started with working with young women in Metia Bruce because it is a community that actually does not, like Zareen explained, um, does not have their girls either educated higher education or definitely not to go to jobs. She talked about silai. Silai is tailoring. Mm-hmm. which is what a lot of the girls in Metia Bruce do. And so Anudeep, who is our partner, a non-profit partner, that trains in Metia Bruce, particularly young women, in English, workplace readiness, and computer skills. I mean, look at Zareen, as you can hear her. She comes from that background from Nurdu Medium School and is communicating quite well with you in English. and from anudeep then i merit hired mm-hmm. the young women and did you um and thanks ara this is uh, interesting kind of context but did you always want to get a job zareen as you were in school as you were growing up what were your dreams what were your aspirations actually actually i want to do job but i i know that my family will never allow me mm-hmm. to go outside and do some kind of the job but uh, this is the very big reason i want to i want to uh, study more so i have a option that i want to study more and i want this and what this so my father allows me to go outside and go the job to complete the job and my dream is that to become a doctor 
right now i am a doctor of computer <laughs> not the human but it's okay for me <laughs> well i mean sometimes it's understanding computers is much harder um especially machine learning especially machine learning we'll, yes. we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about that um but uh, so i'm curious to know why was it important for you to get a job why was it important for you to be employed i feel i i feel i i'm very much ashamed that uh, i feel i'm very much panic so i saw that uh, if i want to go outside and meet new kind of the people so i got some kind of the confidence to talk to each other this is the one reason another i want to get money earn money this is the another reason at first i just want to earn money for my higher education but uh, nowadays i am just i'm supporting my families too and second thing is i want to be independent so can you tell us a little bit about how their perception has changed when you started this conversation you said uh, your mother was not happy for you to go to work and today you're uh, supporting your family financially they are not happy they are not feeling happy right now they are proud they are feel very much proud from proud to me just because i am very much confident right now and at first they i am just a girl in the house and nothing that but nowadays they are coming to me for any kind of the advice there in we have having this kind of the situation what kind of the do not only the financial help they are come to me for the advice so i learn how, how to manage the problem solving in this way so they know the zarians have the guts to do this kind of the things and uh, last year i faced uh, issues that my father was ill and he got this uh, heart attack uh, so at that time i support my family very much and at that time not only my, my family my all relations told that zarin is the very brave girl and she managed all their stuff zarin sounds like your path was very different from a lot of other girls and young people in your community and you've taken a lot of risks in the process uh can you tell us a little bit about what those risks are um and how did you kind of ma- manage to navigate them first of all this is a very uh, big risk to go outside and convince to your to my mother ki no this is the very good thing this is the very tough for me to convince my mother and if you convince your mother you can convince anybody <laughs> yes this is my first test and i was very good in my study so my mother tell me okay but be careful I would love to also hear a little bit more about what you do at Imerit today. What is your job? What are you responsible for? As I said that I'm technical associate in Imerit. I joined as a hardware networking part to learn. At that time I don't know how to open the computer. I know how to on the computer but not the how to assemble the computer. So I feel that this is the good platform to the, to learn so many things which are related to my educations. So how how many computers is under your network management today? Right now 79 PCs and four laptops. And um if I understand right you're responsible for making sure these are running Yes. 24/7 24 into 7s and not only the machines the networking part also the bandwidth utilizations through according to their project. software application software applications i i am very much curious to make tools so i develop the tools to report all these kind of small tools just uh, so in the time rate i have the google so i learn so many things and um today if let's say something goes wrong with something in the network at imerit mm-hmm. at, at the mitya bru center um 
how do you respond to it? What is part of your responsibilities in terms of making sure that the whole network is running? The all responsibility is mine. So I am the responsible to take care of all the networking parts, not only the networking parts, all the switches. So any kind of the small problems are happen. So I need to check out all the networks. She's, uh, I have to say, uh, to uh, come in and say that Zareen's like the backbone of the Meti Bruce Center. We've close to, close to 200 people working at the Meti Bruce Center in two shifts and on three floors. And she has, and now she has a team under her who, um, of a couple of people. So she's the senior technical associate. So from a client point of view and from the people working there, this is extremely critical and they consult with her. And these tools she's talking about are tools that she has developed to be able to report issues and to be proactive about looking at the issues. So sounds like uh, from a client perspective rather, her presence is almost critical to ensure that you're able to fulfill your business requirements. I would you? agree with you taking the almost word out. It is super critical. <laughs> I take it back. Yes, it's and, very critical. And what happens if you're not there for one day? Uh, I have two people. So when they have kind of this, some kind of the issue, they called me and I am I, I also available in 24 into 7. If any kind of the issue they are facing, just they called me and I will just diagnose if I cannot resolve that, then I call, I call to my senior manager, so he will. What do you What do you like about What do you like the most about your job at IMRI today? What is your favorite part? When new people come to me and everybody's introduce me, like as I am a technical person of that, to being a girl or to I am a technical person, they are become very much shocked. Oh, you are the Zareen. So it's a very good thing for me. Not only for that, at very first, I just uh, giving a training to the people for the basic computer. So not only I earn the money, I got the, I earned a lot of the respect. Now everybody called me Zareen ma'am. So it's very good to <laughs> feel that yes, everybody is respecting me lots. And um, can you also tell a little bit about how your life has changed since you joined Imerit? Let me say you that uh, my life have a big changes. I'm talking about my personal issues. In my families, I am okay with that. But uh, nowadays, I am very important person in my families. They come to me for advice. If they are in the dilemma, then I, they told me then what what would I do. So that was very memorable for me. And it's truly, truly inspiring. I mean, the, the particular word you use is guts. And I think that's, that's the word that I would use too. I think it's, it's, it's truly inspiring to talk about the commitment and the tenacity and the risks you've taken uh, to get where you are and the kind of change uh, that you've seen in your own life, but also in your community's life and to Imerit. Um, no, thank you really for sharing your story. Um, and we're going to turn to Radha now. Um, Radha, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? How did you get your first start? So I'm from the southern part of India, and um, like Zareen, I grew up in a very conservative Tamil family. And Zareen is looking at me now and saying, you come from a conservative family? Uh, very traditional, I would say. Um, one, the youngest of three girls, and, uh, and definitely when I decided to do engineering, uh, we were in an engineering uh, university that had 2,800 guys and 17 girls. So 
um, that was uh, quite a, well, like we would say, a little bit of a shock to be surrounded by and to, and to spend five years in engineering. Very few uh, girls, and this is a long time ago, Santosh, I won't tell you how long ago, but a very long time ago, there were very few women in engineering. Um, and uh, then I decided that I would uh, get my master's. And that was another big step because I decided that I'd heard some people talk about uh, computer science and things like that. And I decided I would uh, go to the U.S. And that was probably the biggest shock for my family because young girls don't leave and go out to other cities, leave alone to the U.S. Was you, uh, in, your, in your, your idea of going to the U.S., was that partly to escape the kind of... Uh, conservatism that you faced when you were growing up? Was it a way of sort of liberating yourself and seeking more opportunity? See, my, my family, though they were conservative and traditional, were very great believers in education. Uh, all the, but the belief was you educate yourself and then you get married and you're an educated person. I wouldn't say it was to escape from things, but it was really the challenge uh, of doing something completely new, completely different. I guess uh, the challenge of taking risks as well. Um, when you go alone to the U.S., I literally did not know a single soul in the U.S. And at that time, the Indian government allowed you to take $8. And that was the maximum you were allowed to take. that was the maximum I was allowed. And I had, I, I had an assistantship. But what I didn't realize is that it would take you would get paid for, so you had to get a social security card, and then you would get paid 30 days afterwards, after you had worked. So I really learned the uh, uh, frugal living and how to live on $8 for a month. And um, But you also innovate. I mean, that was also, I think, part of, and this is what Zareen is talking about as well, when you come across a challenge, you innovate. You take the risk. Then you innovate. I I um, I do not. This is such a this is such a interesting moment because you know 2008 I attended grad school in the U.S. 2006 2008, and I always had a Tupperware box in my bag, and and the culture carried forward. And apparently it was a tradition where um, we had a, we had a network of students in the campus who would text each other anytime there was an orientation of free food in the campus. Absolutely, so and guess, we started that off. And it became it became part of the international students. I became I headed up the international students union in the next year, and we made it part of the orientation for the students. Carry a little container and make sure that and nobody went hungry. Yeah, I mean all the things you do so that you know you're breaking the eight dollar rule, right? <laughs> and then you know you have had this illustrious career in the technology industry, and and one day uh, you decide to come back to. India and to Calcutta, uh, a place you don't know that much about, and and kind of start iMerit. So what is that journey? How did that inspire you to do? What, what was the kind of moment of obligation that sparked this move? I think journeys are um, develop over time. I didn't know that word entrepreneurial at that time. Silicon Valley was not so big. David Packard, who I had the immense privilege of working under David Packard, and um, I realized what entrepreneurship meant. Um, and then if you start, as you said, starting a company, it gave a lot of experience about how um, you can take major challenges 
and with innovation, taking risks and a can-do attitude can overcome a lot of things. One of the things I noticed was that the IT industry in India had grown to 70, 80, 100 billion dollars, but and it had created a whole burgeoning middle class of young people, but it did not touch the young people like Zareen in her community or rural youth and young women. Basically, they were disconnected from this whole wealth creation and felt like this was a great opportunity to um, to take technology and business and bring them together with social impact. When you first started, um, did you ever wonder that, were you crazy in doing this? What are the kinds of risks that you're taking? Or other people call you saying, rather, you're crazy. You can never find that kind of talent in, in Mitya Bruce. Uh, and and how, how, do you, how did you overcome and stay positive and just keep working towards that goal? Definitely, a lot of people thought I was crazy. I think that it is, you know, one thing you said right in the beginning, which, which struck me a lot, and I heard this also from, uh, from Janet, you talked about one of the Dell's social impact principles, take the risks your challenge deserves. This is a challenge of inclusion of and believing in the power of youth and young women. It's the challenge and making them inclusive into the digital economy. Well, then you have to take some risks. But what's the worst that can happen? This is the thing I would think about when we, whether you go into Meteor Brews or into the Sundarbans and work with uh, rural youth and young women, or let's say Zareen's community. Okay, you take the risk, you set it up. What's the worst that could happen? I truly believe that the best learning is when you fail and you dust off and move on. You know, you pick yourself up, dust off, and move on. And that became almost like a way of life for us in iMerit. Progress comes through challenges. Challenges involve risks. And risks happen when you do something disruptive. If you put those four things together, then your progress happens, transformation happens. We do work that's rather unique in India in machine learning, training AI, artificial intelligence. We do natural language processing. So we are in sentiment analysis, product categorization, all the things that you're finding that data scientists are working on in Silicon Valley in New York. And you can ask the question, how are these young men and women doing it? It requires three things. It requires actually thinking out of the box, not saying that I don't have the education, but you can be skilled with pattern recognition, looking very differently at skilling, having very much a can-do attitude. One of the things I love about iMerit and the employees like Zareen is the fact that I can bring, I remember bringing in a project around self-driving cars self-driving cars and very complex image capture and something called dense pixel segmentation. That means looking at the pictures, street pictures that are captured, segmenting it at a pixel level, very complex. In fact, it's called cosmic dense pixel segmentation. And then training the machine, the computer, to be able to recognize it. I remember bringing that in and thinking, oh my gosh, there is no way 
that we are going to really be able to do this. We now have 150 young people trained to do it, and we are regarded as among the best in quality, throughput, and in the complex tasks that are required around training AI for self-driving cars. So, and, and this is this is technology that uh, enables cars that drive themselves autonomous, everywhere in the world. Self-driving, yes. And and what you're telling us is that those cars and the the machines that drive them are trained by youth who come from marginalized communities. Absolutely. And don't have advanced computer science degrees. Absolutely. In fact, I don't. I have learned to believe now how much. This has not to do with having an advanced computer science degree. It is to do with the fact that these young men and women are really eager, really motivated, and that we can use new methodologies of skilling, which really use pattern recognition, are on a technology platform, and you can you get skilled through the technology itself. And then their can-do attitude and the motivation. I will share something. In an industry that has high attrition, we have 97% retention over multiple years in the organization. We have 54% are women. So it's a very high-functioning organization and highly motivated. And if we don't know how to do things, will innovate and take risk, right, Zareen? Yes. That's, this is one thing this company does well. <laughs> it takes risk, okay, it doesn't work. We learn from it and we dust off and move on. I think the powerful part of this story is that somewhere um, I'm is taking this entire paradigm around talent and potential and, and flipping it around and completely questioning the most common you know, assumptions about how we think about talent. And the fact that you're doing all this cutting edge work uh, with talent that comes from the most unexpected places. Um, I think that's a movement you're building beyond just a company. I truly believe that this is, it is a movement. I think also it is the future of how technology work will be done, that clients could be everywhere, anywhere. You have a strong technology platform. You skill young people from anywhere and doesn't just have to be India, it could be um, disenfranchised youth in the U.S. or in any part of the world, and you skill them to be able to be part of the digital economy, I truly believe that's where the next phase of the IT industry is going, and that's where we will really progress. And I think you guys are saying something powerful here that is going to define the future of how we see this evolving. Um, I do want to switch gears. You spoke about failure a little bit before. Was there any point in this journey that you would think that you thought that you weren't going to make it and that the company was going to fail? Yeah, as a matter of fact, yes. I didn't know if I felt like the company would fail, but I don't. there were a couple of times when it didn't look like we were making much progress. And it was we started off having no idea what people could do. So we started off with trying data entry, digitization, your more typical BPO work, et cetera, not knowing where we would get work from. There were a couple of good US friends, you know, network of clients who gave us work. And then we started working with getting, um, you know, getting sub work from people, 
in maybe some digital publishing and, and maybe HR, data processing and things. And somehow it didn't click. And I also felt like, oh my gosh, I don't want to build another BPO, you know, like back office work at the very low level, which is, you know, just data entry digitization. But we couldn't, how do you convince people? It was pretty frustrating. And it's like, well, what do we do? What do we do? So we decided to just take the plunge and start to train people, not knowing, are we, are we ever going to get any clients? Would anybody trust that we could do it? And we started doing and taking some risks. Yes, okay, yeah, we can do it. And so at that point, how can we scale this? Have tens of thousands of young people to really scale it. Otherwise, it's not a movement. So definitely... There was some challenging uh, times. Very challenging. And I've always been curious, how do you how do you find the strength to just keep pushing through? Because this is not easy in any possible way, and you still manage to power through it. You know, it's hard, no question. It's challenging. If Zareen can do it, and nine hundred people like Zareen can do it, young men and women, we've just talked about the women, young men, they they come from the poorest communities, there's no power there. There are no roads there. They come from tribal communities. So to me, I would ask you back the question, if they can do it, given the opportunity, why is it so hard for me to work through this? Yes, it's a challenge every day. But you know what? The challenge is also very exciting. You believe in the can-do and the power of young women and youth. If you're motivated and you want to learn, man, you can do it. Powerful answer. And I, I, the only thing I would say is that um, one of the things that iMerit has done in, in showing us the way is to inform the foundation that what is possible in terms of our own work with young people and to show that you know you could find youth in the toughest communities in the world and and provide them career opportunities in, in some of the most advanced kind of technologies is, is really pushed our understanding of uh, what is possible if the right risks are taken and the kind of challenges that can be overcome. And the risks that Zareen you take and Radha you've taken and, and that's almost injected as a DNA into the way the company believes in taking risks because I think the kind of talent you find uh, is so miraculous in many ways and, and so exceptional, which shows in the quality of work they deliver in being able to run a three-floor complicated network of computers to deliver high-quality value. And I think that um, is, is inspiring. Thank you. This is, this is truly inspiring. And I think listening to you both, uh, I can see why the value of this company and, and how you built it is phenomenal. Uh, what advice would you give to people who are faced with challenges and risks in pursuing their dreams? Actions are more important than words. So take a risk and don't listen to any others. Just listen to yourself, take a risk and show them that you can do it. Those are powerful words indeed. And Radha, what piece of advice do you have for people um, who want to make a difference in the world but don't know where to start? If you really are passionate about something, for crying out loud, go do something about it. And there will be many times that you fall. And out of those failures will come the best learnings. That one I really fundamentally believe in, that 
failures produce the best learnings. I was listening to Zareen and I thought, we should just end with that. I wish I had said cut at that point. Well, thank you both for being here today. Um, it's, it's truly a pleasure and privilege for us to spend this time with you and for our listeners. And for the listeners, if you'd like to learn more, uh, please do visit iMerit's website. That's www.imerit.net, I-M-E-R-I-T.net. And uh, thank you both again. Thank you, Santosh. Thank you again for listening today. At the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, we believe that taking big risks to address big challenges can result in big impact. To learn more about the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, check out msdf.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at msdf underscore foundation or find us on Facebook. Until next time.